a podcast. Did your radio show get canceled? Fire, fire, fire. Low down and filthy, but the discipline is on point. Schooled myself, made my own dojo. A cold flow with the whole dose of soul. Maintain composure, even in theory. An anomaly, properties undiscernible to mere peasants. This week on The Million Dollar Plan with Pete the Planner, we are talking budgeting. Don't turn it off. Don't turn it off. I'm going to show you how to put together your very first budget. Or maybe you've done a budget before. I'm going to show you how to do it. The easiest in the right way. You know, I lied already. It's not the easiest way, but it is the best way. I don't believe the easiest way is the best way, especially when it comes to budgeting. Uh, and I also don't believe in convenience when it comes to budgeting. I don't believe that all your information should be automated uh, by some website to, <laughs> I sound like an old man complaining about a website, uh, to come in and give you your data. I think you need to do it manually because then you'll dig deeper in to your data. So that's what we're going to do this week. Uh, your first budget. Now, Nicole, have you ever done, uh, I, you can answer honestly, you don't feel compelled to tell me you've done a budget. If, uh, have you, have you sat down and done a, a budget? Uh, I have. No, that was one of those before, um, yeah. as I was first getting into my first full-time position yeah. and I had regular income coming yeah. through. I did not budget. I okay. didn't save anything. So starting a new position. Sure. I have. And if you're watching on PeteThePlanner.tv this week, uh, we added a new camera in the control room. So, Nicole, you are on camera this week. I am. So, uh, this, is, by the way, is not in response to people wanting to know what Nicole looks like, which no. still is a bit creepy, <laughs> right? Yes. All right. So, uh, join us at uh, PeteThePlanner.tv. Just subscribe, and you can watch every episode of the show. All right. So, let, let's talk about who this uh, episode is for. It is uh, for anyone that has an income. That's right. This episode is for everyone who has an income. Let's talk about what a budget is not. A budget is not uh, the way we do it around here. I'm not asking you to look at this every day. I'm not asking you to save your receipts when you make a purchase and come home and shove the wad of receipts into some shoebox or anything like that. Uh, what we're going to do, we're going to take a retroactive look at your spending. We're going to look for patterns. We're going to set some targets. And then we're just going to live our life. And I think that's the best way to do it. Now, here's where people go off the rails uh, from the very beginning of a budget. Of course, there are two major elements to a budget, the income and the expenses, the inflow and the outflow, right? Uh, money populates your ability to spend, and then you spend money. If, for me, people go off the rails because they don't even know how much money they make. I think that's an important element and, and so much so that you need to know the pay frequency of which you get paid, whether it be, you know, every other week, twice a month, weekly. I mean, those are the primary uh, pay frequencies. Of course, there's monthly too. But if you get paid, Nicole, now again, I'm going to go back to you a lot this episode and I don't want you to feel compelled to tell me what I want to hear. Do you know the exact dollar amount net dollar amount that is deposited every what Tuesday every other Tuesday at midnight yes you know the exact dollar the amount. the exact dollar amount. when you think of your budget do you just multiply that by two from a monthly perspective um not really because I I kind of separate my paycheck between what I need to pay myself for so that I can pay my bills okay. and I because I have three 
accounts that I hold oh, my money in. This is fascinating. <laughs> okay, three accounts that you hold yes. your money in. Okay, let's go through these. these okay, are, so, I mean, if you want to. Yeah, no, 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 absolutely. Okay. So I have my main checking account that Number one. I dump everything into. Okay. So my paycheck every two weeks. Um, if any Venmos that people send me, it goes into there. This is we need to translate house. Venmos yes. here. Wait, wait. Um, Venmos so is a pay any, app. Yes. Okay. So it's like if your friends owe you money, you can get an app on your phone called Venmo. Yes. And then uh, your account's attached to it, their account's attached to it, and you can just transfer money amongst friends. Sorry, yes. go ahead. No, no, no. So that's just my main hub. And then I have another checking account that I will send if I have like my car payments and student loans and any utilities so that comes out of that okay and then i've got a savings account so okay. then i that's everything every paycheck i send a certain amount to that account and then i can't touch it because i get charged if i try to move money within that electronically i have to go into a bank and have them move that money okay in my savings account. so this is fascinating to me because around here we always say things like there's no wrong way to budget um, and to your point, what you just described to me is, uh, would not work for me, but it work. It does work for you, right? Yes, it does. Okay, then good. That's fine that you do it that way. So, uh, first, again, back to the, the original point, we need you to know not only your pay frequency, which you obviously know, but the net amount you get paid every pay period, as well as the rest of your household income. For for me. I have a few different sources. We've got our uh, rental property, which is cash flow positive. So we get that check. We get my two paychecks generally a month. Uh, and then some freelance stuff I do that comes directly to me instead of my company, newspaper stuff, radio things. Uh, and, and so that's how we, we take all that money. So we add all that up and it should be about the same amount every single month. You need to have a base level of income every month. What I don't want you to do um, is to... Uh, have varying amounts of income coming in and in a particular month and then budgeting off those incomes. Because ideally what you're doing is when you get that extra income, that extra income is just going to stability. And as you know on the show, stability is savings or paying off debt. Okay, so we need a base level of income, which is to be used for the expenses. You'll still have some savings budgeted in there. But then anything in addition to that base level of income needs to create stability, generally speaking. Now, some people say, hey, when I get those uh, two months in which I get an extra paycheck because I'm on 26 pay, so therefore uh, those two extra months, uh, I'm going to use that for vacation or I'm going to use that for the holidays. That's fine. I just, what I don't want to see happen is that you increase your discretionary spending over that time frame. So yeah, believe it or not, the first step to putting together a budget is to have the number in your head of the exact amount of household income you make a month. And I mean to the penny. $3,213.63 every four weeks. I consider four weeks to be a month. I know that seems like a ridiculous statement that I've just redefined what it is to have a month. Uh, but I, I, want, I want a four-week period to be considered uh, a month, okay? As opposed to a five-week period, which then is the, uh, you know, the rare 35-day month that does not exactly exist. Now, next, once you know your income, this is, again, if you're just joining us on the show today, we're talking about putting together your first budget the right way. Um, commit to 30 minutes a month 
uh, for at least six months. That's what I need. I need 180 minutes. Was that three hours, Nicole? Three hours, right? 180 minutes is three hours? Yes. Okay, thank you. I need three hours of your time over the next six months. And what we're going to do is we're going to show you exactly how to have this meeting, how to update everyone in your household that needs to be updated, and to find your averages and to begin to set your habits. Okay, so we are a retroactive uh, budgeting outfit, which means uh, th the first way to budget is to look at the last month's spending in all the different categories and to begin to make decisions based on what you see. Um, that's the first step. We have to know reality. Too often people go to budget and they say, okay, I'm going to spend $100 on food and I'm going to spend $35 on my, my smartphone. Those are unrealistic. We need to see what you're really doing before we can set those targets. And what we're going to do after the break specifically is we're going to come back and we're going to scrutinize the different budget categories. We've not done that in a while on this show. So we're going to talk about what you should spend on every different budget category from a technical basis. If uh, During the break here, if you want to go to PeteThePlanner.com slash ideal hyphen budget, that's PeteThePlanner.com slash ideal hyphen budget, you can download the, uh, the budget as we're talking about. So you can download it, you can watch and follow along. So I encourage you to do that right now. And we'll give you a few minutes to do this as we take this break here on the Million Dollar Plan. I'm Pete the Planner. Stop what you're doing Log on. and hit Pete up on Twitter at Pete the Planner. Question the right of any man. The voice his opinion is strong against any can. But then again, many men are citizens of their own little world, so they ain't really fitting in. I'm in the background blending in. Camouflaged by the scenery, but I'm a champion. Revamp the camp again. Put down the stamp again. Alright, it's the million dollar plan on Pizza Planner. Back. This is the putting a budget together episode of the show. We did have a great suggestion on Twitter this week. Last week's episode was uh, what we called Pete's Potpourri. And my friend Don on Twitter uh, suggested we call it Pete Pur uh, what Pete Puri is that right, Nicole? Pete Puri. Pete Puri. Last week was a Pete Puri episode, uh, so check that out. You can always subscribe to the show on iTunes or watch the show at PeteThePlanner.tv. It's a great appetite suppressant. As <laughs> easy to look at me. Um, all right, so let's go through the ideal household budget. Nicole, do you have your monthly net income in your head right now? Yes. You have the exact number, and we're the not asking you to share it. No. Don't share it. Okay, you got the number. I do. Okay, so just keep that in your head. Okay. Okay. So now what we're going to do is we're going to go through uh, and look at what percentage of your household income um, comes from uh, housing or, or, or what do you spend on housing. We're going to hit the big categories first, then hit the smaller categories. We're going to hit the fixed bills first and then deal with some of the variable expenses. But housing, whether it's a mortgage payment, um, by the way, this includes property taxes and insurance, whether or not um, it's included in your mortgage or not. Like if you pay your property and taxes and insurance separate from your mortgage on a uh, you know, semi-annual basis or whatever, that's fine, but you're going to have to add that back into your monthly uh, housing expense. Rent payments included. 
And that's it with housing. We're not putting utilities in here. We're not putting upkeep or anything like that. Mortgage payment or rent. Ideally, it's at 25%. It's unlikely that you're at 25%. Culturally, we've gotten to a place where banks have 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 talked us into this idea that 40% is okay. Again, we're dealing with take-home pay. After tax, total household income, we want you at 25%. Let me give you an example. I'm going to use round numbers because, I don't know. Let's say, for some reason, your household income is $4,000 a month. A month. <laughs> and your housing payment is $1,000 a month. That means 1,000 divided by 4,000 is 0.25 or 25%. You would hit it on Zeno's. Now, Nicole, I'm curious with your situation, you can include uh, your household income with your significant other. Yeah. Is that what you're doing? No, we just split. Split the bills. Okay. Yeah, we split everything in half. All right. So Mrs. Planner and I, I mean, it's all the same, right? We've been married forever. Uh, your significant other, you, you're deciding to just split in half. So when you think about yours, you're just thinking about your per- portion of the mortgage or whatever that you pay, right? Yeah. No, we still have uh, separate accounts and we just split everything for the time being until we decide not to. Sure. Okay. <laughs> I, I like how you put that. Uh, so I'm curious. And you, again, um, we should have like a bell that you ding if you don't want to answer a question. Just uh, hit it on a soundboard. Yeah, just like, <laughs> boop, boop. Just do that. Um, do you know what percent you are on housing? Yes, I'm just right above like 27% okay. or something. Yeah. Okay, not, not terrible, uh-uh. right? Not terrible at all. Um, if you're above 50%, okay, take a deep breath. There's a problem. And this is not the overhousing episode, although we should probably do one soon. Um, overhousing is a huge issue in affordable places to live, as well as unaffordable places to live. But it's especially bad in places that uh, you can help it and you do not. Here's what I mean. In the Midwest, in which I live, you can easily spend 45 50% of your income on housing and convince yourself that it's okay, despite the fact that there are much more affordable housing options for you in the Midwest. If we're in Manhattan, or we're in San Diego, or we're in San Francisco, and the only way you can live there is to have 45 to 50% of your income go toward that, that's a different story. There's not a lot you can do other than move out of that metropolitan area. In the Midwest, you got a lot of housing options. So number one thing to do is establish, because it's the biggest expense, are you close to that 25% marker? Is, is, close, is your uh, spending on housing around 25% of your total household income? If you're renting, you want to be closer to 25%. If you've got a... Did my voice just crack there? Did you hear that? Yes. It may, it may have. If you have a 15-year mortgage, you can uh, be over... 25%. You can be into the low 30s. If you've got a 30-year mortgage or a interest-only mortgage or a 40-year mortgage, because these things exist, you want to be closer and closer to 25%. If you have a 30-year mortgage and you're in the 40% range, I don't know. I do know what to tell you. You're in trouble. You don't want to think you're in trouble because the bank lets you do it, but that's not a good situation. 
if 40, 45% of your income is going towards housing and you've got a 30 year mortgage, that's bad. It's especially bad if you're in what people call a starter home. Now this sounds like I'm going to try to draw a line between uh, people that are in starter homes and people are not. But when I think of a starter home, I think of a home, a production home as they call them uh, by a national builder that don't increase in value as much as maybe a non-production home. This is to say, your idea is, well, we'll get in this home even though it costs us more than what we should spend because it'll just go up in value and that's how we'll make this a good idea. Well, it won't probably go up in value and so that becomes the big challenge. Next, transportation at 15%. That's what we're hitting next. Transportation at 15%. So back to our example of $4,000 a month of income, uh, take-home pay, that would be $600 going towards transportation. I'm going uh, to be transparent here. That seems like too much to me. <laughs> like I, 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 We spend in our household, I think, what, 80 bucks a month on insurance and then probably 120 bucks a month on gas. And we make more than $4,000 a month. And Nicole, where are you at on the 15% for transportation? I'm a little below that. I'm like at 10%. See, that's fine. I've got a little bit higher car insurance, but... Well, it's because you're young. Yeah, it's because I'm young. Yeah. When you get old like me, it <laughs> drops. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I think spending a bunch of money on transportation is a complete waste. It's part of the reason why we moved our offices about seven years ago uh, a third of a mile from our house. So I can walk if I want to. Um, but yeah... If, you, if you're spending more than 15% on transportation, step back. Like, what are, what are we doing here? Um, it could either mean you got low income and you used to get a, a moderate car payment, you're going to be above 15%. It could mean your income's not your issue, but you spent too much on your car. Or you let someone at the car lot talk you into enough or, oh, well, you got to prove this payment. The bank says you can do it. If the bank says you can do it, that means absolutely nothing. If you get approved for a loan and it seems like too much and you say, well, they think I can afford it. No, they, 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 they do and they don't. They don't actually evaluate it as whether you can afford it or not. They evaluate it as we think they'll make this payment, right? So transportation at 15%. So, so far, Nicole, what I'm hearing from you specifically, and, and this is what I want everyone to do, I want them to add up their percentages of housing and transportation and see if you're under 40%. And what you've just told me is you're at about 37%. Yeah, I'm right about there. Okay, so if you got those two things working, we know we're going down the right path with budgeting, okay? So uh, 25 plus 15 is 40. We want budgeting uh, for transportation and housing to be below 40%. Here's my fear. Here's my fear. If you're at 60% or above, that's the problem, right? And we haven't even got into utilities yet because utilities are what makes this, this even more difficult if you're overhoused. If you're overhoused and you're spending 45% of your income, I'm jumping ahead. If you spend 45% of your income on uh, uh, housing, a mortgage payment, and I want you to spend about 10% on utilities, but you're likely to spend about 15% on utilities. And then if uh, then after that, you decide to spend about 20% on transportation because you're undisciplined, that means between 45% on housing, 15% on utilities, and 20% on transportation, 80% of your pay, 
80% of your pay is going towards housing and transportation. That is an impossible scenario that you will never work your way out of until you change housing or transportation. Right? There's this feeling that we're going to grow into our expenses, that our income will, will uh, elevate and match bad decisions we've made with spending. They never do. They never actually do, especially with housing and transportation. Let's hit one more category, category before we take a break. Actually, let's just go to utilities. U- utilities is at 10%. Now, here's what this includes. This includes, uh, obviously, the, the gas and electric and water and waste. This also includes uh, smartphone, right? mobile phones. This includes cable, Netflix and chill. Uh, it includes a home phone if you happen to have a home phone. All right, Nicole, let's see how much of a millennial you are. Uh, do you and the man friend, do you guys have uh, a cable package? No. Okay. We have Wi-Fi. You have Wi-Fi. You we do have Wi-Fi. We have the Wi-Fi. What's your Wi-Fi cost a month? 40 bucks. Okay. You have no home phone? No. Okay. So y- your main technology cost other than your mobile phone is 40 bucks a month? It, well, we split that. So, so it's 80 and you pay 40 or is it no, 20 and 20? We pay 20 and 20. Jeez. You should be doing this show, not me. Wow. Okay. So yeah, it's, utilities are tough though, especially for people. I'm going to just pick a, a random number, 42 and older. I don't know why I did that. 42 and older. And I'm not 42, but I'll tell you, we still have a home phone line. Why? Because it's Mrs. Planner's preference and I'm not trying to fight that battle. By the way, and we're trying to talk Mrs. Planner on to coming on the, the show here. Uh, well, I've been doing the radio show for like eight years. The podcast, we're in our, coming up on our 200th episode. And I'm trying to talk Mrs. Planner on to being a special in-studio guest on the 200th episode. Uh, but by saying that she want, has a home phone line, probably not something I'm going to bring up before asking her to be on the show. And certainly not something I would bring up when she is on the show. Let's hope she doesn't listen to this show. And of course, she doesn't. Uh, okay, so there, there's uh, there's the home phone issue. There is uh, the cable issue. More cord cutters, uh, in, not only in terms of home phone, but in terms of cable, that can bring down $150 a month in expenses. But then you, you get smartphone costs, which are certainly increased. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break, and coming up after the break, we're going to continue to budget. So far, in the ideal budget between housing, transportation, and utilities... You should be at 50%, ideally, 25% towards uh, housing, 15% towards transportation, and 10% towards utilities. Those are the major ones at 50%. We'll continue after the break. This is the Million Dollar Plan, and I am Pete the Planner. Axe hand on the beat. Glass House, yes, sir. Mr. Kinetic, Rusty Redenbacher, ATFU, Naptown, yeah. Yeah, y'all ain't hip yet. 
cashing in like the end of the game at the casino. I lean so the glare of the rear view don't hit me. Swiftly through the avenues and boulevards. Old soul playing on my speakers. Old soul but young and age of boss player. Not from the Himalayas, but my fam gave me Gary Indiana game. Grew up around the country, but the mindset was there. Ain't I won't complain about a damn thing on this beat. Back on the million dollar plan. Uh, doing uh, a budget today. Like we're going back to the basics. Doing a budget. What is at the Ho Chunk Casino this week? Tara Reed, who is the uh, actress that was in I think American Pie. She was doing an appearance at the Ho Chunk Casino in Wisconsin Dells just after me. I never thought years ago that I would say the phrase. I was at the Ho Chunk Casino in Wisconsin Dells, and Tara Reed was scheduled to follow an appearance that I did. Such a weird life, this life. Okay. <clears throat> Speaking of travel, can I do a public service? Nicole, uh, can I do a public service announcement on here? I think so. Should I use a different voice, do you yes. think? Oh, All right, yeah. Let me clear my throat. <clears throat> All right. Hi. I'm Peter Dunn. You may know me as a newspaper columnist and as a balding ginger. But I'm here to talk to you about airline travel. There's an epidemic in the airline travel industry, and it's this. When boarding a plane that is not a Southwest plane, of course, a flight in which you get to choose your suit, seat, you decide to pick your seat anyway. Why? Because you don't like the seat that you were assigned by the airline, so you just sit in someone else's seat. And when the other person arrives to their seat to sit down in the seat that they selected weeks before, strategically, because they're a professional traveler, you passive-aggressively say... Would you mind switching? I'm in the back row, in the middle. This concludes the public service. Don't do that! Nicole, do you know not to do that? Yes, I don't even travel like via the airplane that often, and I know not to do that. And then, then, and then it puts the person in the position to be the jerk. It's like, would you mind switching? And, and then like last night I had to go, uh, well, yeah, I do mind. Like. <laughs> I don't want to sit back there. I want to sit in 12F, right? And I, I that's why I chose this seat. I saw your tweet last night, and I was kind of waiting for this. I'm really glad we touched on it. I'm so upset right now. Okay, back to the show. Uh, we're going through budgeting. So far, we've budgeted 50% of your income, ideally, right? You've got housing, transportation, utilities. Next is another fixed expense that, unfortunately, most people don't put as a fixed expense. It's savings savings at least 10 percent at least 10 percent of your income either needs to go towards the following first emergency fund and if you've already got three months expenses then that 10 percent is not going towards your emergency fund if you have debt consumer debt the very minimum 10 percent of your income is going to pay back that consumer debt if you don't have debt and you have a full emergency fund then that 10 percent can go to the following things the middle bucket of savings, which can include college savings, uh, can include uh, buy a bass boat savings. Don't buy a bass boat. Uh, all, all sorts of other stuff, right? But you have to have at least 10% of your income. We're trying to create financial independence. Financial independence is when you're independent of your need for income. And you can be independent of the need of 10% of your income by saving 10%. So, so far, between uh, mortgage, transportation, and utilities and savings, we're at 60% of your income. You have to pay yourself first. And the way you do that is actually to pay yourself fourth because it's the fourth category, but at least 10% of your income. Okay, Nicole, now you don't have to say yes or no, 
but I know you were putting money into a savings account. If you took a look at your total monthly income, right, the the, the four numbers, forget the change, but the four dollar amounts there, the uh, yes. it's in thousands. Yes. And then you moved the, <laughs> you like how I mansplained money to you. <laughs> and then you uh, move the decimal spot one place to the left, okay? Just move it over one digit. Do you yes. save at least that amount of money you have your take home pay on a monthly basis? Yes, I do. Oh my <sighs> gosh, that's lovely. Thank you. Thank you. Oh. Do you feel pressure today? No, because it's one of those, I I know that I hold myself accountable to my budget. Yeah. It's not some ominous thing that I pretend that I tend to and sure. abide by. So if I didn't, yes, but yeah. I do. So I'm not uncomfy talking about it. Oh, good for you. Oh, thank you. Um, so there's other expenses in here that aren't going to be in everyone's budget that we need to talk about. There's obviously things like a daycare, right? Daycare, if you got a kid or seven or whatever, uh, can be super expensive. It's a fixed expense and it needs to be moved up front here. I'll also say this. If you have daycare expenses, you're overhoused and you're over transported. I don't think that's a thing, but you spend too much on transportation. You are hating your financial life. The best tip I can give you if you're paying for day for childcare is have really low transportation expenses really low. Now, is that realistic? Yeah, of course it's realistic, but here's what people end up doing. They end up getting a, a souped up minivan, right? With the, with the backseat TVs and they pay a lot, like $600, $500 a month for a minivan. And then they've got like $1,300 a month in daycare because they fill that minivan filled with these little kids, right? And then they find themselves in trouble. All right. So we've got a lot of budget. Now let's hit the variable expenses here. Oh, by the way, if you have student loan payments, <clears throat> any sort of installment payment, any installment payment that's actually amateurized as opposed to a credit card payment, which is not an installment payment. So um, that needs to be included in this section too, which then cuts out all the discretionary spending. So let's go through some of the discretionary spending. 12% towards groceries and dining out. I combine groceries and dining out. And if you want to separate them, that's fine. But let's let's be honest here. Um, we've just budgeted. What do we say, Nicole? We've budgeted sixty percent or so so far. Yes. Okay. If if you're way above sixty percent between mortgage, transportation, savings, and utilities, if you're way above sixty percent, this is where the rest of your budget suffers. Especially if you have daycare. Like if I've just described your life plus daycare, that means you're like at seventy-five percent. You got 25% left to spend on the following categories. Groceries and dining out. Charity. I can see you cutting that out. Clothing. Medical expenses that are not related to uh, pre-tax medical. This is post-tax medical. Entertainment. Holidays and gifts. And MISC, which is an abbreviation for miscellaneous. So think about that. If you've only got 25% less, I, ideally, I would like you to have 40% left to spend on groceries and dining out, charity, clothing, medical, entertainment, holidays, and gifts, and miscellaneous. I think of that 40% left, at least 12 to 15 is going to go towards groceries and dining out, which let's say that then takes us to 75, uh, you know, 72 to 75%. And the remaining 25% can be spent on charity, clothing, medical, entertainment, holidays, gifts, and miscellaneous. Now, if you've got kids' expenses in there too, beyond daycare, things like uh, youth sports, youth soccer, 
that's that's an element, right? That's worth mentioning. Also, there's the idea of like piano lessons or book fees or anything else. So do this. We sort of come to a conclusion on the budget. Go through the budget. Go to PeteThePlanner.com slash ideal hyphen budget. PeteThePlanner.com slash ideal hyphen budget. Or just go to the front page of PeteThePlanner.com and click on the budgeting category to get started. It's free. It's free 99 this week. <clears throat> no, it is free. Go to it. Download it. Compare your spending. Now, what do we want you to do every single month? First of all, we want you to establish where you're at. Uh, find some categories that you need to change. Now, some of these categories may be discretionary in nature, but by the way, if you've only got 20% of your income left to spend on all these discretionary uh, categories, your issue is not discretionary. Now, you may try to find it, fix it by uh, cutting your expenses in the discretionary situation, but your issue is that your big expenses, housing, transportation, uh, utilities, they're too high. <clears throat> I pity a fool that, uh, that's got like 80% between the first three or four categories. It's nearly impossible. So take a look at that. And you need to do this every month for at least six months until you get this figured out. If you feel like the solution to your problem is to move and to have a smaller housing expense, email me. Let's talk about it. Like, seriously, we'll, we'll do our best to email you back. Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. I always, always, always will support you if you come to the conclusion that you've got too much else. Um, I've had this conversation hundreds of times over the last several years, and I can say uh, unequivocally that the people that pull the trigger and fix their financial life by getting a, a smaller house commitment on a monthly basis unequivocally end up happier. Absolutely, 100% of the time. Because it doesn't choke you. You can be choked by over housing. Go to PeteThePlanner.com slash ideal hyphen budget. Coming up after the break, we're going to wrap this show up, the budget show, by showing you something that's very wasteful to spend your money on. And that's this week's Boom, the biggest waste of money of the week. Right here on the Pete the Planner million dollar plan. I don't know. I just changed the name of the show. I'm Pete the Planner. Let's take a break. Every day living through the peace of my soul, I remain whole even in the middle of the pain. Even though my life has the rain, I still remain sane, writing and creating for my life. And my pen is my sword given by the Lord, and I use it to fight the tides of restriction. Sometimes I'm conflicted by myself looking at the trees too much and can't see the forest. Enemies shall inherit the earth, and I want to inherit something, something other than the high blood pressure and diabetes. So work is what I got to do. Stay true to my enemy and water the trees that I sing from and look out for the lumberjacks. Running with the gale force wind at my back. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. This lays great errors to rest. Let me remain calm until it all calms down. This week's biggest waste of money of the week here in the Million Dollar Plan is... Oh, we're taking a little different approach this week. See, I've lived in the neighborhood I, lived, I live in now for 15 years. Okay, I've lived here for 15 years. We moved here because it's just a sort of a big neighborhood with a lot of walking paths and ponds and nature and all these sorts of things. And it's a really nice place to live. 
Uh, not until recently, as you know, if you listen to this show, have I taken to uh, angling, fishing. I like it, right? I enjoy it. So for 15 years, I lived here and I could have fished in any pond in my neighborhood because that's the whole point. I mean, there, you could fish anywhere. It's, it's just like a whole thing. In the last two months, they have shut down fishing in every, there's probably 25 ponds in my neighborhood. They've shut down fishing except in two ponds. Why? I don't know. But then this week, the following email went out from my neighborhood. Attention all fishermen, I'm quoting uh, the newsletter. Attention all fishermen and fishing hobbyists in the village. Hobbyists? Really, Nicole? Are we going with hobbyists? It was like a little, like, we know you're out there. Is there anything more caramel than the word hobbyists? No, there's not. For a limited time, we are opening several ponds to fishing, catch and keep. This includes the following ponds, blah, 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 blah. Tilapia were stocked into these ponds earlier this year to mitigate algae growth. Tilapia will not survive the cold winter. Also, bluegill are overpopulated in these ponds and need to be fished to rebalance the populations. This limited opening for fishing includes tilapia and bluegill only, not carp or bass, and will end on October 31st. Okay, so Nicole, here's where I'm at. Number one, I'm not eating fish out of a retention pond. Yeah, that was my first. I'm not there yet as a no. person. No offense. I mean, I know people like fish and have to eat it to survive. I don't. And I'm not eating pond stock tilapia. Isn't there already something going on with tilapia that we're not supposed to eat it anymore? Well, no. The, here's what's going on with tilapia. It's that it's a bottom feed. I mean, it eats oh, crap. I mean, yes, it eats the yes, algae. Yes, they, yes. They, it was put in there to eat the algae, and then they want me to eat the tilapia. Like, who's going to eat me? It's like a food <laughs> chain. It's a terrifying situation. So, I, I, first of all, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm putting this out here right now. I'm going to fish aggressively in all the ponds that were just opened up in my neighborhood to fish again. And I'm going to tell people when they come upon me that I'm fishing for tilapia. But guess what? I'm not. I'm going to be the world's worst tilapia fisherman because I'm catching some bass. <laughs> and if they say, oh, well, you can't do that. I'm like, look, I'm trying to catch tilapia. They just don't like, you know, the flavor I'm putting out. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. Oh, my God. That's it. Okay. So that's what... <laughs> Talk about first world problems. Oh, that's it for this week's show. Go to PeteThePlanner.com slash uh, ideal hyphen budget. That's PeteThePlanner.com slash ideal hyphen budget. Next week, Baton Rouge, Louisiana is where I'm going. Never been there. Going to have some uh, crawfish and some other stuff. <laughs> that's just beer. Okay, that's it. I'm done. Send you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner. This is the MDP, the Million Dollar Plan. If you want to be on this podcast and have Pete fix your money like, then hit us up at PeteThePlanner.com slash podcast. You heard me. PeteThePlanner.com slash podcast. Log on. This is for information purposes only. Not the Swiss financial planning the flights. Consult a financial divisor. Released from Everest, the fresh is fresh, and you can call me ET, word to John Tesh. Let me bless this harmonic presentation. It's amazing, so amazing. I'm the reason. Uh, salutations, I bring you love, trying greetings from a faraway land. I am the soul controller. Put the remote down and let me take control. You're now a part of my zone, so enjoy yourself. Love, try can restore your health. I bring you greetings. Uh, Salutations, how you doing? And is that how y'all say it? The tinkling of the keys, 
is an homage to the little, little star. I sojourn over poetic descriptions of sound and travel to my other world. Out of this world, spaceship on my arm took me home, filled by the ink and the megabytes and the hypertext transfer protocol stronger than the Skynet and the Terminator. I push faders into warp speed, glide with ease, creating a breeze they call a black hole, event horizon, no rear view concerns. This I adjourn, I adjourn. and beats I burn, I burn, I burn, I burn. This I adjourn, and beats I burn, I burn. Salutations, I bring you love, trying greetings from a far away land. I am the sole controller. Put the remote down and let me take control. You're now a part of my zone, so enjoy yourself. Love, try can restore your health. I bring you greetings. Uh, salutations, how you doing? And is that how y'all say it?